Welcome to the Family OS Podcast. I'm Kate. And I'm Tanner. We're obsessed with creating the family life we desire, and we call it the Family Operating System. Join us each week to learn how to improve communication, be in control of your future, and love life. Welcome to the Family OS Podcast. My name is Kate, and I'm here with Jill Savage. She is an author and speaker who is passionate about relationships, which me and Tanner, we are the same way. We just love talking about relationships and, and really why we, we created this uh, Family OS to begin with. So Jill, uh, Founding Hearts at Home is a national organization that served moms for 24 years. And so she now speaks to thousands of men and women each year about their priorities, their passions, and their purpose. And she has been called one of today's most exciting female speakers, which I'm so excited that you're here. You add humor into these things, especially when they're when they're, you know, tough conversations, tough topics, like we need that, that little bit of levity. So I'm looking forward to the mm-hmm. conversation. Uh, Jill is also the host of the No More Perfect podcast, the author of 14 books, many of them called um, Empty Nest, Full Life, Real Moms, um, No More Perfect Moms, No More Perfect Kids. We're going to definitely get into this idea of perfect uh, in our conversation, Better Together, Real Jesus, No More Perfect Marriages. So many, many amazing books. Uh, to explore. Uh, Jill and her husband, Mark, live in Illinois, have five children, eight grandchildren. Congratulations. Uh, Website is jillsavage.org. We'll also have, we'll make sure all links are are posted in show notes. Um, But Jill, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. So let's talk, you know, experience certainly helps in teaching moments. And you certainly have experience through your marriage and raising five kids and now having grandkids. Um, tell me how this, this um, journey of writing books and helping couples even started. How did, how did you get to this place and to where you are now? Well, you know, it really started out of my own need as a mother. I mean, I knew that I wanted to be an intentional mom, but I wasn't sure what that looked like. And um, I wanted to be intentional about uh, growing my children in their faith, but I wasn't sure what that looked like. Like I, I was raised in a home where we went to church every Sunday, but I didn't see that really like, um, happening day in, day out in, in my, in our home. And so I was like, I got to figure this out. So I started a mom's group and that mom's group grew, uh, from eight of us in my living room to 250 of us that met every week. And then out of that mom's group, we started, um, this ministry called hearts at home. And, um, uh, we we did a once a year conference for moms, just like teachers would go to a teacher conference. Moms could go to a mom conference. And the first year we had 1100, um, the next year, 2,800 and 3,400, then 4,500, then 5,500, then 6,500. My husband used to say at the end of those weekends, there was no chocolate left in town. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh oh my gosh, it was so crazy. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, honestly, Hearts at Home helped me grow as a mom, but it also really blossomed my speaking and writing on the topic of being intentional about uh, your family and raising your family and being strategic about what you want to accomplish in your family. So uh, that opened doors for me to write 
uh, to speak. And while Hearts at Home closed its doors in uh, 2017, uh, I have continued with that um, that passion to yeah. reach families and to teach uh, moms and dads uh, how to be the intentional parents that their family needs. So what is that, let's say, number one rule to be intentional? Because the thing that Tanner and I have realized in working with couples and um, whether it's one-on-one or in group settings, um, it seems like many couples are, I mean, they'll spend more time planning their vacation than they will plan like the, the future of their family. What, what are, where are they going to be as a, as a husband and wife or as a family a year from now, five years, 10 years, you know, so uh, how do you even like get people to start thinking about that and, and what's sort of that, that golden rule to be intentional? Yeah, well, you've got to, you've got to, um, you've got to set aside time for that. And then I, I think that you also just have to have the vision for it. I think part of the reason that people don't do it is because they don't have the vision for it. And so, you know, they have a vision for going on vacation because maybe when they were raised, they went on vacation, you know? And so they're like, oh, I want to duplicate that in my family, but they didn't necessarily see their parents being strategic, whether their parents were, or they weren't, they didn't see them be strategic about the things that made them a family about being intentional about connecting as a family. And so uh, I think part of it is we don't necessarily have that role model. And so we don't know how to do it. So I think part of it is just having the vision of why this is important. Um, We need to have some personal vision, like, you know, I don't want to be the same person this time next year as I am today. So what do I want to do to grow spiritually? What do I want to do to grow physically and take care of myself better? Um, What do I want to do to grow emotionally? What am I going to do about taking my own emotional health seriously? Do I need some, do I need to tap into some counseling this year? Do I need to read some books? Um, And then what am I going to do to intentionally grow my marriage and my relationship with my kids? So all of those, that's important for us to do personally, but it's also important for us to do um, emotionally or relationally as a family. And let me give you a really practical example. So my husband and I, in January of this year, we said, what can we do to more intentionally connect with the individual members of our family? So we now have you know, our own children, our sons and our daughters, their spouses, and then our grandchildren. Mm. So what do we need to do to more intentionally connect with our family? And so we just, you know, we just tossed that question out there. We started talking about it. And one of us said, well, what if on their birthday, we took them out for dinner all by themselves? Like, you know, we, we do, we do birthday celebrations for, as a family. Well, what if we did it all by themselves? And, you know, you think about that and you're like, well, with your own kids, eh, it's pretty easy to do. Even with the grandkids, yeah, pretty easy to do. But with your son-in-law or daughter-in-law that we would take them out all by themselves. Well, that was a little different. And so anyway, we started doing that and they love it. We love it. But that came because we said we want to connect intentionally with our family members. What can we do? How can we make that happen this year that would be different than what we've done in the future? 
So, you know, that it, it comes from, I would say living an examined life. Mm, and when we live that examined life and we go, Hey, this is good. Eh, I want to do something better with this. What can we do? That makes such a difference. I love that. I mean, live an examined life and it's, it's a struggle for people to really, because if you think about an examined life, I mean, when we started this podcast, it was originally called the one relationship because we, uh, we thought that it was really down to the, the, the first and most important relationship you have is with yourself, because then all the other relationships that you have with other people will, will trickle down into that. And, um, and of how you see yourself and take care of yourself and, and the relationship you have with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so we, we started that way, but most people don't want to examine internally the things that might need some work, you know? So, so how do we help switch that mindset that this isn't actually a bad thing to do. It could, it's actually a great thing to do and it, and it can just reap so many different rewards. Uh, how, yeah, how do yeah. you help someone switch the mindset around that? Well, definitely, um, emotional health, it requires self-awareness. And so if you're going to, uh, be emotionally healthy, then you have to be willing to be self-aware. You have to be willing to look deep and to be aware of your strengths, but also to be aware of what we call your growth opportunities, uh, the places that you, um, that you are continuing to grow. And, you know, in the Christian life, we're to become more like Jesus every day. Mm -hmm. So we always, until we die, uh, you know, I I once heard someone, he said, if you're not dead, you're not done. Okay. (laughs) All right. And so until the day we die, the call on our life is to become more like Christ. And so there's no room for not being self-aware if we're going to be serious about becoming more like Jesus every day, because we have to be willing to go, okay, when we're in the middle of conflict, when I'm in conflict with my husband, how do I handle that? Do I handle it like Christ? Um, If not, well, then what, how do I handle it? Do I get defensive? If I get defensive, what does that mean? Um, how do I listen well in my relationships, um, around me? Am I good listener? Am I not? Is that a, is that a growth opportunity for me? Um, so, you know, I mean, you can choose to not be self-aware, but I will, what I would say is then you're choosing to be emotionally immature. Mm, Yeah. And there's a lot of a lot of people out there that are like that. Yes, there is. Let I me mean, tell we, you. We probably all have an, at least one example we've we've come in contact with uh, or currently, you know, in contact with who who has that emotionally immaturity. Um, so let's talk about perfection because you've, you know, you've got these per- perfect family, perfect kids, perfect marriage. Uh, and, and then of course we always hear, oh, but there's no such thing as perfect. Right. And we hear that saying, but we, but I feel like it sort of is in one ear and out the other, and we don't really resonate with it. And of course I'm, you know, I'm generally speaking here, but there is no such thing as perfect. We, you know, we are human and we make mistakes. How do we get over perfect? How do we start to see that even the imperfections can, can be seen as something beautiful and, and, um, and there for a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I write all my books out of my mistakes. 
So um, that's yeah. where no more perfect moms, no more perfect kids and no more perfect marriages came from. Yeah. And, uh, and in those books, I talk about something called the perfection infection. And the perfection infection is when we have unrealistic expectations of ourselves and we unfairly compare ourselves to others. And this uh, robs us of contentment and it builds a critical spirit in us. And then um, in No More Perfect, that's what I talked about in No More Perfect Moms. Well, in No More Perfect Kids, I, I looked at, well, what? happens when the perfection infection invades our parenting and we have unrealistic expectations of our kids and we unfairly compare our kids to others. Yeah. Maybe their siblings, maybe the neighbor kids, uh, maybe kids at church. Maybe it's that imagined child in your head that you were just sure you were going to have, but they never showed up. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then oh, yeah. no, um, no more perfect marriages. I look at what happens when the perfection infection invades our marriage and we have unrealistic expectations of our spouse and we unfairly compare our spouse to others. And, and what this does is uh, honestly, it, it puts, uh, it puts these uh, expectations that will never be met because we are usually comparing them to something that doesn't exist. We're comparing them to the romance novels we read. We're comparing them to the movies that we watch. We're comparing uh, our life to the magazine covers that are in the checkout line at the grocery store. And, and the hard part is oftentimes what we're doing is we're comparing them to things that don't exist, or we're comparing our insides to other people's outsides. Yeah. So we see a couple at church and we go, um, oh, they've got it all together. But you know what? All you're doing is seeing them at church on Sunday. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes in their world. So you're comparing the insides of your world to the outsides of theirs. Wrong conclusions. So um, the key to this is that we have to learn how to stop, um, uh, stop pursuing perfect and embrace being perfected. Mm. And when we do that, what happens is we start to embrace uh, our imperfect journey. We start to embrace uh, the imperfect journey of our kids, the imperfect spouse that we're married to, our imperfect lives, because we begin to understand that God does his best work through the cracks in our lives. Mm. And so as we learn that and we recognize that this is where he actually does his best work. This is where we have our biggest growth opportunities. And we began to use what we call the antidotes to the perfection infection. So the antidotes to the perfection infection include um, forgiveness, grace, courage, honesty, and as we embrace those and we start to use those, we're kicking the perfection infection out of our life. Like honesty, maybe what we do is we take off our mask with other people and like, in, you know, maybe we're in a small group at church and we've never really shared the junk in our trunk. Mm -hmm. We've never really shared the hard parts of our marriage, but honesty and courage lets us pull off the mask. And then we realize, wait a minute, I thought people were going to judge me. You mean 
my honesty brought out their honesty. That's a beautiful gift we can give to each other. Mm-hmm. Or, or in parenting, when we realize that our child, um, our expectations of our child to be perfect, most of us would say, I don't expect I don't expect my spouse to be perfect. I don't expect my kids to be perfect. I don't expect my life to be perfect. But here's the truth. When imperfect shows up, we don't handle it very well. (laughs) And that's a clue that actually you are expecting perfection in far more areas of your life than what you realize. Yeah. And that's where the self-awareness comes. We come back to self-awareness, right? I mean, it's all connected. And when you're aware of that, then you can start to make, you know, make those improvements. I also just, you know, something that uh, I've come to realize around this perfection. And and as you um, talked about comparison, mm-hmm. um, one, I've seen how comparison just kicks in what I like to call like resistance, you know, it's the resistance that stops you from doing the great things that you were designed to do and be, you know, the best self that you can be. Um, but it, you also don't recognize, uh, like you said, you don't, you don't see the whole picture, but you also don't see really what is being su- like, what else is being suffered. We see someone who has this great career and all the things that, mm-hmm. you know, but yet their family life is struggling, you yes. know? Um, you know, so usually when one area of life that we're looking at and we're comparing looks so great, yes. uh, some other area of that life is struggling a- yes. and not necessarily to, to, to detriment type, you know, like, uh, you know, a, a, a real down, um, downward spiral, but it, but it's suffering. I mean, I could use even my radio career where I had people coming Oh, I wish, you know, I could be like you and I wish I had your job and you have the best life and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but you didn't see how I went home and cried myself to sleep. And I was depressed in and out of depression for 10 years and struggled with, you know, various things. You didn't see yep, that yep. part, you know? So, um, So yeah, the comparison game really does do damage to us just showing up for the day as our best self. How can we just show up as our best self, you know? Yes. Yes. And what I would say that I have found is a little bit of self-talk in those moments is um, to say something to myself like, Jill, she has a backstory you don't know. Mm -hmm. Or Jill, she has pain in her life you're not aware of. And when I do that, I pull myself back from the ledge of comparison and plant my, you know, myself on the foundation of reality. And so then that, that just brings us back to level ground and pulls us out of that unfair comparison trap. Yeah. And I've been, I've been there with, uh, with, with kids. Cause my daughter, uh, so, so my firstborn, um, I mean, she's a wild one and she's got a lot going on. We're, you know, we're realizing the, uh, the ADHD that is coming out in her and she's only three and a half. Like she's, her brain is literally on fire. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, for years I was like, Oh, ADHD, like that's just parents not being able to teach and control their kids, you know? And, and I was super ignorant to the, to the, you know, uh, you know, what ADHD is. Um, but now undiagnosed for years. Now my husband has it. It's genetic. Now my daughter has it. I, I don't have an ADHD brain. How do I communicate with someone who has an ADHD? Like it is literally teaching me all new things. And how do we do this without just saying, okay, here's a pill for it too. Right. Right. Like that's not our, that's not our family, you know, MO. So, um, you know, what are we going to do about it? 
outside of just saying, okay, here's, here's some medicine for it. Um, well, and I think a what lot you're, from parenting. Yeah. Yeah. And what you're talking about there too, is really knowing our kids, like tuning in and knowing them, you know, um, honestly, you know, I had five kids and honestly, for many years, I parented the herd, <laughs> like, okay. I saw them as a group yeah. instead of as the individuals that they were. And so what a difference that makes when you really start to see them as individuals. And I'll give you an example. So I had a son with ADHD and uh, he was our youngest. And, um, and, you know, I, I, there were things that I began to realize uh, I just didn't need to call out with him. Uh, Here's an example. He was studying for a test one day. Well, he asked me to help him study for a test. I don't know. He was like in sixth grade and he's like, Hey, will you like quiz me so that I'm ready for this test? And I was like, sure, absolutely. So he hands me the paper. I turn around, I go walk across the room to sit in a chair. And by this time, the chair that he had been sitting in, he's now upside down on his head with his feet over the back. <laughs> yep. Okay. And so I start to correct him. And I start to go, Austin, sit in that chair correctly. And then I catch myself and I go, why, why is it a big deal? Right. Okay. Just Jill, don't make mountains out of molehills. It's not necessary. And so I just pretended I didn't even see him. I pretended that was normal. And I asked him all the questions for his test and he got every one of them right. Yeah. You know, and it was like, you know what, that was just not something that needed to be an issue in that moment. Uh, and, and so I think sometimes it's really knowing our kids and, um, and tuning into who they are and being careful about trying to fit them into boxes. Yeah. I mean, we don't like it as adults. So why would we do Why do we do that to our kids? And just, just all the, I mean, the more, um, you know, I'm, I'm going through parenthood and the more I, uh, talk to people like you and, and various experts in, in the different fields of marriage and parenting, I, I'm, I'm just amazed at how this is like such a, such a personal growth experience, you know, parenting, Ugh. right. You yeah. learn so much about yourself and realizing how there's just some things that doesn't, they, they don't need to be the battle. And, and if you really are making it a battle that it really doesn't matter, uh, come back to, well, why, you know, why is, why is this such a big deal to me? Because the more I've asked that question in certain moments of like what I'm doing with my kids, it's helped me actually to dig in a little bit, understand where it's coming from. I get that self-awareness and then say, okay, this actually really doesn't matter. Um, or, or maybe I've discovered like, here's why it matters so much to Mm -hmm. me. And so, um, let's see if I can approach it a different way in order, because this is so important to me. Um, because we continue to, you know, we want to raise our kids. Well, we want them to have good manners. We want them to, to do do well and grow independently and and Mm -hmm. be successful on their own. Uh, so some things are necessary, but some, they are. Yeah. They're, they're... Well, and one of the questions I used to ask is, will this matter in 10 years? <laughs> right. It, it, you know, and so when I could ask that, will this matter in 10 years? Like, um, I don't know, let's say they spill milk. Will this matter in 10 years? No, you know what? They're going to spill things in 10 years because we all spill things. This was a mistake. Uh, as Dr. Kevin Lehman says, when they spill something, they don't need a lecture. They need a rag. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. And so, uh, but let's say that they uh, talk back to you. 
they were disrespectful to you. Will this matter in 10 years? Actually, yeah, that will. Yeah. That will matter because it may not be you that they're talking back to. It could be a teacher. It could be a coach. It could be their boss at their first job. And so, yeah. So once I determine it's going to, it does matter in 10 years, then what I need to do is respond not react and lead well. Mm-hmm. And, and so now I'm going to lead them through, um, I'm going to address their issue. I'm going to address the behavior. I'm going to, you know, if necessary, uh, give a consequence, um, for the choice that they made. And, but I can do that leading them well and not being angry about it, but simply being their parent. Yeah. Oh, so good. And, and we talk about that often of, responding and not reacting, right? Yeah. And to, we tend to react and it does. And then, and then in the process, as you say, lead them well, you're teaching them to be reactive rather than responding well. And if you can teach them just by your example of how you handle something, you know, it'll, it'll only benefit them as, as kids. I, I did want to, just because I, I, um, I was listening a little bit to the one interview you had, I forget your guest's name about raise the kids you were given, not the kids you wish you had. And I just yeah. love that, that statement. Um, and so we do have dreams for our kids. We do have these hopes and, and dreams for them and, and what, um, uh, our, our life as family and, and when they go off on their own are, are going to be like, um, when you're, when you're, uh, as a parent putting on those expectations to your kid that really, I just kind of want to talk more of like the negative effect. Like what does that do to the child? So people can kind of say like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of projecting my own stuff on my kid. Um, yes. what, what does that actually, like, what are some of the consequences and effects that that can have on the child? Yeah. Well, um, the first thing is they don't feel known by you. And one of the most important ways to connect with our children is to know them. And so I'll give you an example of this. So our oldest daughter was, um, you know, I just really thought she was a mini me (laughs) and in many ways she was. And so I just didn't look beyond the surface, but as she got into high school, I'm expecting her to run for a student council. I'm expecting her to do, um, you know, to take leadership in the clubs that she's in because she's a leader and, and I could see that, but she was opting for a lot more margin in her life than what I ever had when I was in high school. And I just couldn't understand that until I laid aside my expectations and I began to look at her and go, oh my gosh, she is much, I'm an introvert, but I'm an introvert pretty close to the extrovert side of life. She is a much stronger introvert than I am. So Mm -hmm. she needs alone time. Mm -hmm. And she knew that. And so she was being true to herself but I was trying to call her to be something other than who she was. Yeah. And so I was putting a pressure on her to perform. And this really, it often happens is that we performance parent rather than relationship parent. And so I, I, you know, I want them to perform a certain way because it makes me feel good. It makes me look good or because I'm so busy projecting my expectations on them that I have missed out on really coming to understand who they are. Yeah. And 
And that, that quote that you said earlier, uh, love the child that you have, not the one you wish you had, um, is came from no more perfect kids. And it was my co-author, Dr. Kathy Mm -hmm. Cook, who actually made that statement. Right, right, right. Yes. Yes. uh, Dr. Kathy. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it really, um, it really stood out and it just, it was just one of those things that I'm like, oh yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I thought my family life was going to look a certain way. Yep. And most things in my life, I thought it would look a certain way and God had different plans. <laughs> so I have, yeah, I have to adjust and, um, yes. and, and just, and navigate it. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that it isn't going to take work and effort. It doesn't mean that you're going to, uh, not have bad days, um, you know, or you're going to do something and you're like, Oh, I could have done that differently, you know? And, um, and I, and I have, like, I've definitely had those moments where I'm like, you know, man, I wish I didn't do it that way. Um, we all do, but we all do. Right. And so Uh it's like, okay, well, there's my lesson. And so now, um, you know, be aware of that for the next time to, to try not to repeat those kinds of mistakes. Um, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to live life in regret. So I always look at these things of like, okay, they're coming up for a reason. What do, what do I need to learn here? What do I need to keep practicing? And if we look at our, our marriage experience and our parenting experience as ways to just say, okay, this is here for a reason. I mean, we, we struggle with, um, my, you know, my husband's ex-wife and just dealing with that battle and, yeah. and the different things that go on with, um, having a blended family and, you know, we're as much as our days were like, OMG, can, can this please just go away? Um, we also look at it and say, okay, but it's still here in our life for, for something, right? Like yeah. we're still learning something. We're still here, uh, for some kind of lesson, um, to grow in some capacity. And we might not know what all of those reasons are for a while or ever. Um, but, but they're there for a reason. God, God, I like the saying, God draws straight with crooked lines. (laughs) Right. That's good. That is good. So very true. (laughs) And honestly, this is really important for us. You know, you're talking about, um, really we're talking also about unrealistic expectations. And when we have unrealistic expectations, we set ourselves up for perpetual disappointment, Mm -hmm. discouragement, disillusionment. And so we can't love our real life because we constantly are thinking it should be different. Mm -hmm. And so um, we really need to examine our expectations. And a lot of times, you know, I teach on expectations a lot and people will say, well, how do I know if I have unrealistic expectations? And I'll say, who in your life are you consistently disappointed in? Mm. Who in your life is always letting you down? I would say that's where you start looking at your expectations because you probably, uh, it's as much about your expectations of them as it is about them not performing. And that's a great place. You know, we can, that can reveal things with our kids. It can reveal things in marriage, but it's super important over time to not, to to deal with these unrealistic expectations. And let me tell you why. Um, Because 10 years ago, my husband, when we'd been married 27 years and he had been nursing unrealistic expectations for 27 years in our marriage and, and in his life. Okay. Not just our marriage, but life, um, unrealistic expectations of God, unrealistic expectations of the church, unrealistic expectations of marriage, unrealistic expectations. So he was always 
disappointed, mm-hmm. always disillusioned, always uh, feeling uh, frustrated and let down. Yeah. And, um, and so, uh, unfortunately, uh, what that did is that disillusionment led to discouragement, which led to disconnection. And he had a full on midlife crisis. And, um, it was a dark year for us, a very, very dark year. One that we talk very openly about now. Um, unfortunately in the midst of that has been faithful because, he was just sure there was another relationship out there that was going to that w- that w- that was going to match his expectations until that relationship started having the same struggles and that's when he backed up and went you know what there's a common denominator here mm-hmm. yeah and it's me yeah. and as he often says the problem is i left and i took someone with me and that was me and me was a mess he says and so <laughs> excuse me so um I, it's really important that we examine those expectations because over time they can breed bitterness and there's no room in healthy relationships for bitterness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's something that we've, um, we've experienced too, where, uh, we've talked about expectations and also the unspoken expectations, right? So there's so many that, um, you know, people have, sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it. Uh, but, but it really was something that, um, you know, Tanner and I had to look at and probably I would say most of it came from me, um, just because I had a certain life that I grew up with that was just very different from my husband. And so as we blended together, um, and merged our lives, uh, it looked, it looked very different from how I grew up and what I wanted. And so, um, you know, and, and, and I just assumed that these were the things that happened. So these were un you know, unspoken expectations. So we had, we, we had a, a rough couple of years, you know, the first couple of years where, um, dealing with that and all the other things that came with, with a new marriage and a blended family and uh, yeah. new babies and all that kind of stuff. And it just, it's, uh, it's something that, um, isn't talked about enough that it, I, I would say most relationships go through. You have, you usually have some, some big hiccup that, that happens. And, um, and when you can just say, okay, we're going to, we're going to meet in the middle here and figure it out. I love you. I want resolution. Let's figure it out. Um, you can sort of, you can take that defense down and, and start working through things. Um, when it comes to expectations though, and I, I, I kind of want to just maybe wrap here, the world gives us so much of, you'll be happy if you have this, you'll mm-hmm. care if you have that, um, you don't need this, you need that instead. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're just inundated with messages like that. Um, what is your advice in how to sort of basically silence that and, and get to the heart of really what is going to give us, you know, true happiness mm-hmm. and peace of mind? Cause that's, I mean, really at the end of the day, that's what we want, right? Like we want to mm-hmm. feel like we're connected to our loved ones. We feel loved, we're being loved. Um, and we're, 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 we're happy and calm. Um, but so much of the world, and especially in today's time, there's just so much going on. There's, there's a spiritual battle going on. There's people battle going on. I mean, it's just awful of, of all the things that are happening. Um, what is your advice in how to just work at silencing that and staying focused to what matters most? Yeah. Well, I think we have to turn up truth mm. and we have to. 
Uh, and so, you know, you can, you can try to silence that, but if you don't have something to replace it with, uh, it's just gonna, it's gonna stay there in the background. So we turn up truth, meaning that we need to be in God's word. We need to surround ourselves with people that speak about God's truth. And so, um, you know, when you're on social media, if you follow accounts and they are not lifting your spirit, then unfollow them and replace them with the accounts that lift you up, that keep pushing truth your way. Um, and so I think that we absolutely have to turn up truth. And when we do that, uh, that's also, and when we begin to live out truth, it's when we begin to experience joy. And um, uh, back to our, our marriage story. So my husband and I, during that very dark season, uh, we were separated for four months and then he made what we call a U-turn. I mean, it was, he surrendered and uh, put God back at number one in his life. And, and we began that healing process. And about three weeks after he had moved back home, and he was really a different person. Like he was in God's word. He was like tuned in. He was turning up the truth. He was letting go of the lies. He walked in one day and he said to me after work, you know what? I realized something today. And I said, what's that? And he said, I'm happy. I'm really happy. And um, I, I remember uh, Gary Thomas wrote a book called Sacred Marriage and the subtitle is what if marriage wasn't given to us to make us happy, but to make us holy mm -hmm. and bottom line, Mark was pursuing holiness and he got happiness. And during that same dark season, that's what I was trying to do as well is pursue holiness. And I got to a place where I realized, you know what, even when it's not well with our circumstances, it can be well with our soul mm -hmm. and we can experience happiness when we turn up truth, even in the most difficult circumstances. I love that. Oh my God. I, I'm going to steal that turn up truth. That it's, <laughs> I mean, we, we need that so much because I mean, and if you think of, I, 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 at least I think of the conversations I'm having with all the various um, things that are going on in the world and it, it never fails in the conversation as we discuss stuff. Uh, there's some line of, well, I mean, you don't know what to believe or who knows what the truth is, or they're all lying, right? I mean, this is, these mm -hmm. are really common phrases that we're getting out of, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what to believe anymore. And so these, these common phrases of, of doubt of what truth is, um, it, it kind of even gets me on the topic of relative truth, which is a whole other top, top. right, right. Um, we'll save that for the next time. Um, <laughs> But, um, but I mean, really it's, it's, uh, it's a powerful statement. I love that you said that. So thank you for sharing that with, with our audience. Um, and Jill, thank you for just being here and sharing your insight and your experience and, um, just your wisdom that you've had all of, of the years of marriage and, and oh, raising kids. You. It's, um, it's beautiful to see. And when we can see couples stay together, work together, have, you know, decades of marriage together. I mean, that's what's, that gives other couples hope, you know, and you can continue to be an example for, um, so many people. Um, my parents have been married now 54 years. Mm, I think it is. That's 54, great. Right. And I'm just like, yeah, you don't really hear those stories anymore. Um, so, um, we got to keep, 
keep uh, keep protecting our, our our families and our marriages. So thank you for doing the work that you do. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll we'll make sure that we have uh, everything linked up. We talked about a lot of different stuff. So we'll get stuff um, shared in the show notes. Don't forget to visit jillsavage.org. Also check out the podcast, No More Perfect Podcast. Um, really appreciate your time. Thanks, Jill. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Family OS Podcast. We have a special gift that we'd love to give you. Text us the word POD, P-O-D, to 720-459-4219, and we'll text you back. Until next time.